When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back here, Blathering Conversations, the third episode in an ongoing series where I face my demons, and by that I mean get over my laziness and get back to interviewing wonderful people I know and help them get the word out on wonderful things and also talk about life, the universe, and whatever comes up. And right now, today, on screen, you're seeing the lovely face of one of the loveliest, nicest people I've ever met in comedy, and I want to ask him if that makes him wretch when I say it. It is actor, <laughs> comedian, author, uh public piano player, Matt Knudsen. That's true. Uh, thank you, Ken. Thank you for having me. A pleasure does not begin to cover it. This is great. We've known each other since uh, the mid-2000s, but we don't always get to uh, be in the same circles. I think I hadn't seen you for a few years, and we had our friend uh, Josh Paget's wedding. I was like, yeah, I'm so happy That's to see right. you. Happy for yeah. the marriage, but happy to see you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think Josh is doing good. Now yeah. he's uh, the president of Dadco. I believe he's got two yeah. two youngins now. And, um, doing, you know, doing great shout work. out to him if he's listening to this episode. Paget, uh, uh, one of my favorites too as well. And uh, yeah, for those uh, who uh, you know been following me for a while, you know my journey with stand-up. It has some ups and downs. And, 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 and Matt's one of the folks that uh, I'll kiss his ass now. Has always been one of my favorite to watch, <laughs> to Thanks, Ken. study in and how to tell a joke. You never want to copy someone's style, but I saw an, I saw a review of one of your albums and it said that Matt Knudsen's delivery is almost hypnotic. And that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Thanks. You know, um, there, I, I go back and I like watch all these like old videos. I've, I've been lucky enough to do stand up for 22 years wow. and I go like wow. watch something from like, you know, 15 years ago or like, even 10 years ago when you're sitting at that point in your career, we're just like, boy, how come more things aren't happening? Just like, Oh, I know I'm terrible. Uh, (laughs) You watch these videos. You're just like, you know, I didn't do an album until I had been doing comedy for nine years. I put out my first album after nine years because I knew I wasn't very good. Well, that, that, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not grabbing the spotlight to put it back on me, but uh, this, sure. this coming week, I released my first comedy EP uh, in my day, live at the Harrison Pub in London, and it took me 20 years, but I quit for about a total of 10, so it's about the yeah. same thing, and I'm actually encouraged to hear you say that. It, 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 it takes a bit, and I think there's something, something to what you're saying of like, Look, I, I can tell you, I knew you back in the day. You didn't suck, but I know what you mean. <laughs> Thanks. You know, Thank you, and congratulations yeah. on the album, Ken. Thank so you. cool. Thank you. And, and also, I, want, I did want to, I don't want to do boring interview housekeeping stuff, but some of you, uh, you, you definitely have seen Matt. Some of you are looking at the screen, you're going, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Shrinking. Uh, Keen Peel. Yeah, off. there you go. Keen right. Peel. Jesus on Malcolm in the Middle. I mean, that's, that, that was it. That you were, you were the top dog back in the day. I Dude, remember that. I, I have to say, when you say like whatever your like big break was, um, I did, I did it in, like 20 years ago, literally 20 years ago. And it was the first time that I was on a show that I watched and loved. 
Mm. And so when you feel like this, there's this big disconnect between you and the industry and you're just yeah. like, I'm an actor, I'm a director, I'm a writer, whatever you think you're, you are, sometimes people open the door and let you in and it doesn't feel as far away yeah. uh, when yeah. moments like that happen. So That's great. Uh, there's a, uh, one of the chapters in the book is called Brian Cranston and it's just my story with Malcolm in the middle and um, you know the, the person that he is. The thing about this book is, uh, you know, it's called, have I seen you in anything? Cause that's the question I get a lot. Yeah. So I put like my, my Casey Kasem esque top 40 stories into one book, but instead of like a, like a dishy tell all, yeah. all the stories are positive and uplifting. So when you hear a story about someone, you're just like, Hey, guess what? Dick Van Dyke's the best. When we <laughs> spent time together, this was how he was, Yeah. you know? So you don't have to like, try and be dishy or, or, yeah. or, or talk, you know, talk a bunch of uh, stuff behind someone's back. People like to hear that. And that kind of moves things. Yeah. I don't like that. I'd rather hear like, <laughs> you know, Hey, you know what? Give, give Alicia Silverstone her flowers because she's a wonderful woman. <laughs> this is, I can't wait to, yeah, the book is called Have I Seen You in Anything? True Hollywood Stories from a Guy That Seems Familiar, uh, available this week on Amazon by the time this episode comes out. Just search Matt Knudsen, that's K-N-U-D-S-E-N, and don't say, <laughs> don't say Knudsen, it's Knudsen. <laughs> like Paddle a Canoe, yeah. that's the one I give to the opener at the at the comedy club, yes. you know? It's always so, such a stressful part of doing shows is like remembering like the five or six people's names. Oh yeah. 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 And then I, yeah, you could cut Newton and Knapsack throws people for a loop. But yeah, then there's the, you know, if you give him credits at a comedy club, it's like, Right. This thing and that and get me on stage. And now you, you got the, the comics are like, all right, first I appeared on, like, just get us on stage. Oh, so it, it seems to tie, and I would definitely want to talk some stand-up stories and philosophies with you here. Great. But because of your book and where we're going, and I want people to check it out because this this is your vibe too. It doesn't mean you don't have bad days. You don't have some takes or you don't have a great series of political tweets that just say diarrhea, which are some of my favorite things on the internet. Um, we'll, t- we'll talk about that. Um but yeah, uh, these are stories. These are good stories about people being good. Like I, I've I met Brian Cranston for five seconds in the room five, a Malfi restroom. If you wow. remember, we, we do the shows there. Of course, he was buds with Javier Grajeda, who's doing stand up, and I ran into him, and it was the best five second ex- exchange in a bathroom I've ever it's had with a human. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, um, there, that I, I I name check Javier too. Yeah, when uh, Brian great. and Javier first moved to Los Angeles, they were roommates. So they were they were making it, you know, trying to make good in in Hollywood together. And Javier, people will remember him from uh, from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. He was the Mexican drug conciliary, the 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 right. ball guy who was the yeah. um, I, what's the name of the family? The I don't know that was I'm blanking on the name, but the drug family from them. He, he you'll, you'll see a face and you're like ah. But they yeah. they came up together and are still real tight. That's that's that speaks uh, volumes of, of both as humans and and these are nice stories and that's what I I wanted to start with in a big way like if someone says your name generally speaking mm-hmm. it's going to be ah man just a good dude and in a oh, world thanks, man. but in a world of stand up comedy acting in Hollywood and you've been on the strike line still are. Um, 
but and stand-up comedy is a special breed of 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 cruddy. <laughs> it's a special dark, dank pit. Uh, how does that? How do you react to that? How do you do? You take the compliment? Do you wish you were edgier? Are you edgier? And you just want people to see it? What is Matt Knudsen the nice mm. guy like? Boy, that's a great question. You know, I honestly. I don't even like book myself as like a clean comic. It's just like, hey, have me at your church. I'm going to be fine. It's just like I have a, a, a little bit of grit. I have mm-hmm. a little, you know, but it's not the stuff that I'll always do on stage because I'd always said my shows are kind of like all ages. Mm-hmm. And you can like, hey, if it's uh, I, it only cuts the other way in my experience, if someone's like super blue, yeah. they, they, people leaving the club, they're like, man, he sure talked about yeah, internet porn a lot, and you're like, you know, or whatever the subject is, where you're like, mm-hmm. um, so I don't really do a lot of that stuff. I don't do a lot of hot takes. It's more, I, I, I'm more in like the the Jim Gaffigan, Brian Regan, totally frame of mind. Because especially too, when I was coming up, it was still late night uh, spots, and yeah. I didn't want to write anything that I couldn't do on the Tonight Show. That was kind of my standard. It's, you know, it, I think that's smart, especially for them, uh, for then. And um, I heard that a few times. And and I, I, I'm a little looser and not grittier and intentionally, like, challenging. But I just, I love swearing uh, more than I right. used to admit. And so it's found its way. But in the back of my head is what you're talking about. Uh, that right. that's that's not just upward mobility for clicks and algorithms sake that's a that's a good way to approach comedy in a, in a general yeah, sense. yeah thanks ken well if it helps so uh, i had a show on friday night at, in your neck of the woods yeah. san luis obispo so uh there's actually the slow funny i'm going to give a shout out to uh you know to the slow funny scene up there that, uh, mm. they do a, a brian there's a guy why i'm blanking on his last name you, you've been traveling. Anyway, you don't you don't need to know drug cartels or last names right now. <laughs> I don't I don't do last names, but uh, he runs the slow um, shows and they do monthly shows up there. Mm. But uh, they had like a kind of a dirty show at the you know at the the second show was like a dirty oh, show and some guy was like like talking about like is this a this is the internet right I can say anything <laughs> I want yeah so this yeah. guy's like talking about like sucking his own dick <laughs> and I was just like Comment. so I'm like I'm following him I'm like. And I was just like, well, guys, um, I'm going to make this a little bit uncomfortable for everyone. Uh, ladies, every single man in this room at some point in their life, maybe between the age of 12 and 15, has tried to suck their own <laughs> So, And then they, they could feel people like, hey, you know. And I was like, but here's the thing, guys. Um, you know, when you get older and you get a little more life experience, you just realize you can pay a guy to suck it for you. <laughs> You know, (laughs) I didn't want to like not say the thing I thought was funny because I was just like, oh, well, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a sliding scale for sure. It's also. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been I've been on those shows where like uh, someone before me, whether they're good or bad, doesn't matter. But someone's doing something pretty intense. And in my head, I'm like, I'm already defeated because I just. I got. I can't pick up that ball and run with it. I just gotta. Dude. I just gotta leave it there. <laughs> just gotta leave it there. Um, tell me, uh, without spoiling this book here, you got Cranston. Sure. You have a yeah. You've met uh, President Barack Obama. You have on your list. I'm dying to read it. The Bangles, no, thanks, dude. The Bangles. I'm a huge Susanna Hoffs fan. Yeah. Uh, still yeah. making music, writing books herself. Oh, what are dude. some of your favorite stories and some of these favorite people? 
Well, the um, the the elevator pitch when uh, uh, you know when I talk to people, I'm, I can say, and this is all coming from like a Midwest Lutheran who just shrugs his shoulders at things, and he's like, "Yeah, I guess you know." Yeah. I'm like, "Aw shucks," is my default because you talk about yourself too much, and then suddenly you're like, oh, "I'm so great." It's yeah, just yeah. like you believe it. A friend of mine said that uh, I have kind of a a Forrest Gump element to my life where you just you just kind of <laughs> say yes and you show up and you're just in these in these places and I mean I was at Warner Brothers like three or four days ago and I was walking the picket line and I was just like oh hey Pedro Pascal hey buddy that. you know yeah we're suddenly we're standing there hanging out yeah. and it's just because you were there you were there um but the it's uh, the elevator pitch has been uh, I met President Obama in the White House mm. I met Hugh Hefner in the Playboy Mansion and William Shatner asked me to call him Bill so they're all true stories of things that just kind of happened to me mm. but they were almost thumbnail sketches where you're like oh, I remember that happened oh, yeah. This was the first time I actually sat down and did some research and actually trying to focus my memory yeah. in, uh, in, in, a, in a total recall way. But also explain some uh, inside baseball for some industry things and uh, try and illuminate it for all audiences. That's amazing. What um, is there, is there a, a key, a, a point of uh, approach or strategy as someone you know, like you who's meeting a lot of people either through work or just some of the circumstances I'm sure have popped up in your life. Is there a sure. key to having a good interaction with someone like this? Is, is there a way you can help influence it or is it all dependent on them? Um, I think I would say this, if someone famous wants to talk to you, they will. Yes. But if you're on set and you're trying to be like, you know, mm. Hey, Michael Douglas. Hey buddy. Hey, what's up? <laughs> uh, all those sets, I just bring a book mm. and I sit in the corner and I try and stay out of the way because I've yeah. just been like number six on the call sheet. Yeah. And then you're like, you look over and it's just like, it's Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin. And they're talking to Chuck Lorre. And yeah. you, you, what are you going to like elbow your way in there? Hey, guys. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Hey Don't guys. forget about me. Yeah. The guy who's working two days on the project. <laughs> hey. So hey. I would say I, mm -hmm. less is more would be yeah. my advice. Yeah, that's a great that's a great approach. Yeah, there, you don't want to be too thirsty. Um, I also think you don't want to be so cavalier that if the window's open for you to have a nice interaction, like you know, take it. But but don't don't push the the envelope. Is is, is agreed? Approach. Yeah, yeah. If you have you, uh, well, we don't want to get negative. I don't want to name names, but you've probably you sure. could probably fill a book with eighty bad interactions. But I love that oh, you've yeah. chosen forty yeah. good ones. Well, I I didn't um, do any of this in the book, but I mean, I've been on sets where like, like the lead actress, like thought I had too many lines and like took some of my lines. And I was just like, that what really made me laugh was I was like a murder suspect. And she's like interviewing me. I was the perp. And so it's just, she and I sit in at this like police investigating table and she started to guess information that she would have no way of knowing. You know, she's like, where were you last night? Let me guess. It was da, 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 da. So she took my lines that were responses to her questions. And I was just like, I, I, was, in, I was in disbelief, for yeah. one. For two, it was the story of 
an actress caring more about her screen time and her like yeah. than the actual story and the actual well, like what would make sense. Mm. So at a certain point, I I, mm. Mm. I clicked into a mode where I was just like. Okay, well, uh, I'm not going to like, uh, I'm going to be out of here at like 6 p.m. and I'm never going to come back. So, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I have had those stories too, where I think it's a lot of ego and insecurity. Mm. And I, I feel for them in a certain sense. Before mm. we did that scene, um, she had a tantrum and wouldn't come out of her dressing room for two hours. So, there so was I'm sitting lot. there waiting and I'm just like, oh. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and that's not you. That's not about you. It's not even about her. It's about the circumstance, the career, the path to that moment, her life up totally. until then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some uh, some of the nicest um, people in the world are the most successful people, mm. and they have nothing to prove. Yeah. Like I, I, uh, uh, my dream is to one day work with Ron Howard. I would love to. Because everything I hear by all accounts, he's just like, hey, you know, you know, hi, I'm Ron. And you're like, I, I, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. I, I, I came so close to meeting him because uh, I, I love going to the smokehouse and, and, oh, classic, yeah, classic. Let's go, let's go to lunch, Matt. When you're back from your tour, let's go we'll to lunch. Do it, dude. And, and we'll do I, it. I was there for my birthday last year and there was someone in the corner that had, there was, oh, there's always a lot of birthdays. There was someone else in the corner who had a birthday. The cake came out, there was some singing and I couldn't see it. And, and, and my contacts, you ever, like, your con- my contacts were fogging up and I was kind of doing, <laughs> I don't want to stare. Who's having a birthday? But there was someone in a multicolored, like, sweater, almost like a big Lebowski sweater. I was like, that's interesting. Well, they get up to yeah. leave. And it's Clinton Ron Howard. It was Clint's birthday. And every ounce of energy from them was just two brothers out on a dinner. And just the nice, and I, and I told my fiance, Grace, I was like, I I really, cause I love the movie solo that that Ron picked up and directed and and Clint's in Mm -hmm. it. And I'm like, I want to run up and just hug them. But I just, I think that will violate the contract that we all have. Agreed. (laughs) This is not the way. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah, And then, you know, especially being uh, Hollywood kids to grow up and still be, uh, be that balanced and kind and focused and they didn't. There are a lot of pitfalls growing up as, you know, a Hollywood yeah. actor kid. Cra- crazy to think. Yeah, their um, uh, their father who passed away the last couple of years, he used to get his hair cut in downtown Burbank where I get my hair cut. He used to get nice. uh, walked over there, downtown Burbank. Uh, uh, right. So, so is that. Um, um, and also thanks to uh, Rance Howard, my right. bacon number is one. Mm. One. Yes. Mm. I'm, I'll, the only way I can get closer is to do a project with with uh <laughs> kevin bacon but thanks to their dad rance there you go um, that's a that's a he the, the bacon he was stuff. in apollo 13 and then i we did some kind of like murder mystery movie i didn't didn't work with it but we were all you yeah, know my partner was rick overton overton love Overton. yeah we were cops <laughs> overton oh some nights at the improv just listening to a uh uh, a very talkative Overton. Talk to everyone about comedy. Memories. Memories. Uh, still focusing on the book here before we get to some other things. So I, I don't sure. again, I, I don't want to spoil this for people who are about to read this book and check it out again on Amazon. Have I seen you in anything? Matt Knudsen's 40 stories here of meeting these uh, famous people. Um, uh, so are there... Are they all surreal or they are some of them just so normal? Like I got to imagine being in the White House meeting a president's kind of surreal, but I don't know, hanging out with Alicia Silverstone, I don't know the circumstances, but is it, is there a difference or are they all kind of bizarre in their own wonderful way? 
they're all kind of bizarre in their own wonderful way. Some are just kind of like happenstance where, you know, like Alicia Silverstone, I did an episode of a show called American Woman, and mm. it was just like a two-person scene. I was her doctor, and she had some some bad medical news. Uh, some of them I just happened to, like my first Hollywood uh, celebrity sighting when I moved to L.A. was Fred Willard. And... Uh, I was, I was at Cantor's and uh, somebody had like ripped up a, a newspaper stand on the sidewalk and thrown it out onto Fairfax. And so like cars were um, swerving around it. And I was just like, it was total chaos. Yeah, yeah. So I went into the street and grabbed the newspaper stand and like pulled it back to the See? sidewalk. And so at least, you know, people can move again. You're and nice as I'm pulling it, um, this pair of feet approach as I'm looking down and a man's voice said, this city needs more citizens like you. <laughs> and I looked up and it was Fred Willard. And I was just like, that's my a, first one remains undefeated. That's and undefeated. That, that's a great Willard. You did, you did his tone perfectly. Rest Thank you. Fred Willard. And then eight years later, hmm. uh, he went on to play my father in a movie that changed my life mm. and allowed me to act full time mm. after that, after that job, it was a cartoon network show called out of Jimmy's head. It was reanimated. And after I did that, it was, uh, mm. Mm. I don't want to say off to the races. Cause like every year is different, but yeah. I, it, at least there was enough like momentum and, you know, uh, forward movement. I want that's a, I, that's yeah. I, I want to get some career stuff, not just in terms of the resume stuff, and and, and talk about more of the stories here. But uh, you, you mentioned you're doing comedy now, twenty two years. You've been in a, in a lot of of, of uh, wonderful things, and, and and including sketch comedy, some work over at Acme, and many other places. Thanks, Ken. Um, but the there's still a lot of perseverance, and we're seeing it right now. We're seeing this time with the strikes. Uh, yes, WJ, D, WGA wrapped up. DGA wrapped up long. They're so long. Oh, it's just heroes. They wrapped up so long ago. <laughs> um, SAG, at the moment of this recording, still, you know, negotiating and hopefully getting back to the table Wednesday. But it's challenged a lot of, of people pursuing this art. And comedy is one that is a punch to the face often. Uh, acting is a punch to the face almost with every audition except for the ones that, that hit. Uh, right. dig in with me a little bit about making the choice to do this kind of career. And you mentioned it, Hey, a movie that changed my life, but that's not the end of the journey either. Cause there's no really finish, <laughs> real finish line. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, it's not. Um, I think it's so, so cliche to say if you can do anything else, mm -hmm. but not only that, but the pursuit requires a lot of joy. In mm. addition to grit, you really have to love it. Mm. Um, I, I'm not a Buddhist, but I've read Buddhism and, uh, there's, when you hear someone say like, I'm practicing Buddhism, mm -hmm. what they're practicing are these six things, you know, and my favorite of the practices is something called that they call joyous pursuit. Wow. If you're going to do something, do it with a little bit of levity, do it with some wind in your sails, really be into it. Cause if you're, if you're doing it, because you're like waiting for some kind of payday or waiting for some kind of gig that's going to like take you to the next level. Finally, I can mm. hang out with these people who, you know, it, mm. it's too hard. It takes too long and it's too hard along the way to do it with a chip on your shoulder. Mm. So I think I've been lucky enough uh, to hear, hear yeses, 
but most of them have been no's. Yeah. But at least that there was kind of, you know, you you felt like you were in the mix mm. and the right people were seeing you. And mm. I just tried my best. And yeah. I'm sure there were a lot of years when my best wasn't good enough. You're going into these auditions, you don't have the seasoning, you don't have the the skill set or the confidence or the actually uh you were talking about the strikes mm -hmm. so this is another story from the the book but i saw this woman today at the strike uh her name is april webster she's an incredible casting director mm -hmm. but she casts like alias with jennifer garner and you just if you look up april webster she's like vaunted casting mm -hmm. i went into an audition for her and jj abrams uh. and it went so bad. I, I, fa I, I failed so hard, Ken. It was just like, I, this was like 18 years ago and I still like lay in bed like, what, what did I do? What did I do? So what happened was like, I was, I didn't even have a commercial, uh, I didn't have a theatrical agent. I got mm -hmm. this um, audition through my commercial agent. J.J. Abrams was directing uh, a promo or like a commercial for the DNC. And so he's looking for like commercial guys. And I was kind of like this Midwesty farmhand guy. And it's like, don't tell me America, you know, that yeah. we can't make America, uh, you know, great for our kids and you know, yeah. all this stuff. So I had like one line and I went in there and I was like so nervous. And my, I just got cotton mouth. I couldn't, I couldn't, the line was like seven words, but I couldn't remember it. And I was just, but about uh, and so but I was like, about about ah, about don't tell me. Our kids. And like, so JJ is sitting directly next to the camera and he's about four or five feet away. He's like sitting in the chair next to the camera and he kind of reaches out and pats me on the knee. He's like, hey, it's okay, buddy. He's like, <laughs> and, hey, hey, saying one line is hard. Don't you worry. A lot of people mess up. <laughs> it's okay, buddy. And what I wrote in the book was like, if anyone in any industry tells you it's okay, buddy, it's not okay, buddy. Yeah. I, if, it's so uh, true. I went in there wanting a job. I yeah. didn't want a pep talk, yeah. you know, but yeah. it was just, it was the only time I had ever read for April Webster and J.J. Abrams. And I choked and I never got another chance. Yeah. Wow. Did you bring that up today to all of her? Do you run into her? <laughs> no. I didn't see her. I did see some other um, casting directors that I've known mm -hmm. because uh, this was just a coincidence. I didn't know it, but they had a rally at Amazon Studios mm -hmm. for the, the casting directors are, are organized under the Teamsters. And this wow. is kind of a newer thing for them. So they're a local 399 and they had a 399 rally of like, hey, we're going to all go. So I knew um, a number of people, and uh, so it was fun to connect. And, mm. Mm. you know, I think there's something to be said about just hanging out for 25 years. <laughs> yeah, you, you've been doing more than that. But, yes, there's the, the, the marathon, <laughs> not a sprint mentality definitely – is a uh, is an important thing, but I love I love what you're saying. Uh, uh, as I go up and down in, in my career in life, and I'm someone who've always struggled with self confidence. Who doesn't? But but of course, but dude, finding it's crippling. Yeah, what do I want to do? What do I want to say? And who am I on stage? It's been a big thing as mm -hmm. I made the last few years. Uh, I'm a dramatically different comic than I was 10, 15, definitely 20 years ago when I started, and it's a oh, process. Yeah. But but like. Uh, you know, this thing you're talking about this joyous pursuit. Uh, that's something that's been on my heart 
recently. I wasn't smart enough to have that specific advice that you just gave, but if just like, sure. I'm about to start to really re up it on my podcast, really kind of leaning into some other kind of areas of my life. And it's like, what am I, I been asking myself with each project, what am I doing it for? Is it because I need right. to pay rent? That's a good motivator, but you can do that <laughs> with anything. Or is it, is it because this, this is what I want to say and do. And right. I do think there's a strong difference. And, and sometimes you got to survive. Ain't no, ain't no problem mm -hmm. with surviving. Um, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, and I know you get that, but, but yeah, I, I love that advice that you're saying of just like, yeah. So the, the six, the six perfections are uh, generosity, ethics, patience, meditation, wisdom, and joyous pursuit. Love it. If you have all six of those things in your life and in some kind of balance or semblance, you're like, well, that's the whole deal right there. Can you be generous with people? Can you be patient with people? Can you, mm. you know, if you if you don't have all those things or at least a handful of them, maybe it's time to adjust the, you know. <laughs> go the other direction. <laughs> Better here or here? Better here or here? Yeah, go to the, yeah. One go to the career One optometrist. Yeah. The career optometrist. <laughs> That's wonderful. I think we all have to sit in that chair at some point. Two, three. They both look the same. Pick one. Pick one. Right. Pick one. What feels? Pick like? one. Can you read the fourth line? Can read? I can't read the first line. I'm in the wrong <laughs> chair. Oh, that's wonderful. We're talking with Matt Knudsen, uh, author, comedian, sketch comic, and public piano player. And we're going to ask him that. We're going to take a quick break here on the podcast and the YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Stick around. Matt Knudsen's going to play piano in a train station. Welcome back to the Blathering Conversations. Ken Napsok here with uh, Matt Knutson, having a lot of fun, uh, catching up with with uh, someone I see far too less of in this busy, busy world of comedy and Couldn't acting. Couldn't agree more. And, uh, and Ken, I've always yeah. thought you're an incredible renaissance man. Oh. I'm sure you've heard that uh, said about you before, but uh, when I just think about your career and all the the splinters that it's had in all these directions and and your vast knowledge of so many things. It's super impressive. Well, I'm a song and dance man who neither sings nor dances, but it's, <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, there's a lot to get to. We might get to some stuff here about comedy. I keep teasing that. I, I, I've been loving uh, picking comics brains about just comedy overall and all those kind of things. But there's a very important thing I want to talk about on your, uh, I think mostly, I think I'd see it on uh, your Instagram page, but you put, probably put it on Twitter too. You go down to like, Grand Central Station in downtown LA where the trains are buzzing and the people are scurrying about and you sit down and you play piano and you run tape That's, on it. Tell me about true. this magic. Well, it's just a union station downtown yeah, in, uh, in Alameda yeah. and they, as long as the station's open, they, they have a, they have a public piano that they just, leave open for anyone and there's a little sign on it that says like hey if people are waiting play about yeah. 10 minutes you know but <laughs> if no one's there you can just kind of sit there and play mm. and one day i took my iphone and i just stuck it in the corner and i'm, I'm not even really on any of the videos i've, I've just yeah, been wearing a, a dodgers yeah, hat, your hat. And, yeah but for me it, it incorporates a couple of things that i really love of music and like learning a new song and playing it or just jamming around and people watching yeah. So it's a big wide shot of all these people and all these crosses. And it, it actually looks like if there was like an assistant director, it's like, all right, 
Cue the guy on the scooter, you know, <laughs> or get to send the, the eight uh, Hispanic children, you know. So they just, it, it I just watch them and the, yeah. the videos are 45 a minute. And I usually just play covers of songs that people know. How, it's it, you're so right. It does look like it's it's staged in a way. And I, yeah, and I, I sorry, I said Grand Central Station. I, I'm going to New York in two weeks. Union Station, uh, cool. which, which is a fantastic place to be. There's a, there's also a bar at the state. A lot of people head to Union Station. Fun place to oh, hang yeah. out. Tracks. Tracks. Well, one of my favorite videos is I I never even saw this, but I like watched it later, and and it was this guy who was like sitting on a motorized suitcase. So he like he just sat and he just zzzz, and he zipped through the background. And I was just like, all right, first of all, I didn't know that existed. Yeah. And secondly, you are an expert at this motorized suitcase. Oh man. What is that guy? Yeah, I, I want to go to that moment in that guy's life where he where he either discovered it or realized that's what he wanted, because that would solve all of his problems at Union Station. <laughs> I, I take yeah, the train I every mean, day. I think there was that, and then it was the divorce. <laughs> the you know? Honey, I don't know. Get out of here. Yeah. Stand in my way. Don't take. Don't stop me from my dream of riding a motorized suitcase <laughs> through a train station. <laughs> Have people interacted with you? And you've done it at other spots too. I, I, I was uh, saw some footage elsewhere, but uh, do people? How many people interact, or how many people in this big crazy city just go? Eh, there's sure. another guy at the piano. Sometimes people um, will come over and talk and maybe like applaud or something like that. One time uh, a guy kind of accosted me and he's like, Hey, you better, you better know what you're doing if you're going to do this. And, you know, I was like, uh, you know, but shaking. It's down. mostly all been positive. That's good. So I'll, I'll go down there. I'll take the train down there. I'll play for a little bit. I'll get myself a cinnamon Wetzel's pretzel. You God know, you gotta, have, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, it's it's just fun. And even if I wasn't recording it, there's something about music that has a way to fill the space and just changes the way people feel. God, yeah. See, you are you're the Renaissance man. You're you're a, you're a modern day uh, <laughs> philosopher and artist going down and making people's lives. They don't even realize the guy in the motorized suitcase doesn't realize that he's got a pep in his motor just for that second. Then he goes down there. All four seconds of the song he heard as he sped towards the F train going to Anaheim. Really? Got to get down to Anaheim. I got to get to that business park. Oh, man, is that Piano Man playing? Is that is that a cover of Nirvana in a train station on the Ivories? Oh, my God. Talk about, I would say this. Yeah. If you play piano, that's the piano is always open at Union Station. So just go down. Head there, head there. Uh, talk about joyous pursuits. There you are. You found one there. Um, I uh, talking comedy. If, if you don't mind diving a little bit into the wild world of stand up, you you are a, a very accomplished comic, and you've been on a lot of wonderful spots uh, back in the day when late night shows. You know when comics could get on them, and late night shows were, were that kind of thing. Uh, but up to even now, you were, you you had mentioned you're doing a tour right now. I think you have Houston left. Uh, so if anyone yeah, in Houston, I do, to, um, yeah, I have some folks who are, I, yeah, I have some folks out and sorry, I'm cutting you off. I apologize. Uh, I, uh, I have some people I know who are in the Houston area who listen, go check out Matt. Where are you at? Hey, now I'm going to be at the riot comedy Ooh. club one Ooh. night only Thursday, October 5th. There we go. So, um, go. yeah, that's, it should be a fun show. And then, uh, next weekend, uh, the 13th and 14th, I'm at the, um, the Copa Club in Ventura Harbor. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, I think both shows are 7 p.m. And then October 21st, I'm going to be in uh, Salt Lake City. That's a Saturday. 
It's uh, one show right now, but I think it's getting close to sold out. So maybe they're going to add another one. So SLC represent. <laughs> what? Uh, when are they doing comedy shows in Salt Lake? 3 p.m.? Is it 3 p.m. now? Or are they stretching it to 4 p.m.? <laughs> Late start. Late show, totally. 4 p.m. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I got my uh, uh, all my... Uh, um, Followers from Big Love, they're like, okay, they're, they're sending the Mormon out. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, That's yeah. right. That's beautiful. One of us. Uh, one of us. But it's uh, from my from my vantage point as someone who has struggled at different times over the years to find out um, who I want to be on stage. And I apologize to my mm-hmm. listeners for repeating some of the story, but there's a I'm a big David Bowie fan, and there's a moment in 1971 where history recorded it as a great uh, accomplishment for Bowie playing changes at a festival. In, in Edinburgh, and, and, and the truth of the matter is, or Glastonbury, uh, I forget now, but the truth of the matter is he played in front of, at, at 5 a.m. in front of nobody, and it's an acoustic version of a lot of the songs he would go on to release later, including Changes. And 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 and, and the narration of the doc, 1971, the year that music changed everything, says that David Bowie at this point in his life did not know, he knew what he wanted to be in his mind, but he did not know how to get it out on stage. And that that is a lot mm. of what I have struggled with or have now tried to overcome as a, not just a comic, but as a writer, as a person quite frankly, sure. as a human. Of course. It's easy for me to, to look at oh, Matt Knudsen's set, that eight minutes he did at the improv the night I hosted. Brilliant. And, and, I, and I love your style and, and you're, you're down, your beats are down to the word and I love it. But, but uh, how did you arrive at that? How did you know who Matt Knudsen is on stage? Did it come mm. early? Did it change? I'm fascinated with that side. Um, I think it came... That's a good question. I don't know if I was ever like right when I started, it would be like, all right, here's exactly what I'm going to do, you right, know, and right. then you have every word. I mean, one of those uh, videos that I was talking about, you watch it back now and you're like, oh, <laughs> was like my um, late night television debut on the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Mm. It was April 2nd, 2007. And I can't, I can't even watch it. Really? It's just so crazy because at the time I was telling these really kind of um, dry one-liners mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of jokes. And and I was like so cocksure in the writing and the materials. <laughs> I could just like, I just would stand there at the, at the microphone stand and just kind of tell the jokes and be a little, not glib, but, you know, have a, a twinkle in your eye kind of thing, whatever. <laughs> but uh, I did that on the Late Late Show. I still, I said, yeah, just leave the mic stand out and I'll just tell the jokes there. And the set went really, really well. You know, I remember it as a win, mm. but I look at it now and like the microphone's still there and it's like covering like <laughs> 30% of my face. It's just like, mm. you idiot, yeah. you know? And then, you know, you, you take a, a, a learning example like that and you kind of build on it. I mean, one of my, one of my favorite quotes of all time is Bruce Lee. He said, I never lose. I win or I learn. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a- amen to that. Yeah. So when I did Conan five years later, I just wore a lapel mic. Yeah. Because I was like, you know, Conan doesn't have a microphone and talk. He's just out there and he's like, the he's the guy. Yeah. They just put the pack on. So I tried to evolve in that way. And um, hmm. one of the most influential experiences I had was with Louis Anderson. Mm. I was at the improv and I just bombed. I totally bombed. Like, mm-hmm. not even like, well, it was kind of okay. It was just terrible. And afterwards, he came out to my set and he said, You didn't look like you were having a lot of fun up there. I was like, yeah. 
yeah, I wasn't. So he said, you know, you, uh, you, you seem like a really nice guy, but you never talk about that on stage. You should talk about that on stage. You seem so nice. He's like, I'm not right about a lot of things, but I feel right about that. Wow. I was like, wow. okay, cool. And even if your uh, your your point of view is just like, you're you're the nice guy, but like, whew, man, have you tried to be nice lately? <laughs> it's not easy, you know, guys. So, you know, so it's boy, people make nice challenges. <laughs> beautiful so i was yeah. able to lean into a little bit more of who i am off stage and the person who's in this conversation with you right now mm. and there wasn't a disconnect where i like i'm about to go on stage yeah you think chop liver ever asks well what am i yeah Which is hilarious i'm really dude i'm really doing things now yeah but yeah. i think it, it took a lot of navigating and even now Coming out of the pandemic, I'm yeah. touring a new show that I had never done before, right. which is it's stand up, but it's I also play music. I mm. have short films. There's uh, sketches. It's like improv. Oh, I wow. have a dance number. So Song I call it the one man variety show. Beautiful. And the elevator pitch is it's the Chappelle show meets Lawrence Welk. Salt. And Salt. it's it's new for me every night. Because I have like this kind of PowerPoint deck mm. and I just kind of get into whatever I feel like doing wow. in, in, in the moment. So if you end up talking to someone and for 10 minutes, you're like, well, I guess we're not going to get yeah. to this, you know. Yeah. And it was so much more uh, rewarding and artistically fulfilling than I would have these weekends where you're doing like five shows. And somewhere mm. in the middle of the third show, you're like. Did I just say that already? Didn't I just say that? Yeah, have right. I, am I repeating myself? You know, you have mm. those moments of like mm. uncertainty. And so I tried to have something that incorporated more of my creativity and my, my art and my passions and things. That's beautiful. And then just do it and, and share it with a, you know, with a wider audience. I, one of my favorite memories from this tour I just got off of, I was in Canada and um, I did this show at this place called Hecklers, which is like a Canadian institution. It, it was really a great club, yeah. great crowd. But I, I finished my variety show and I'm leaving the stage. And as I walk past this old man, 72, 3, 4, he palms me a 20. And he's like, my wife and I would like to buy you a coffee. That was phenomenal. <laughs> I'm like, hey, thanks, man. And at that same show, there was a guy celebrating his 21st birthday with like five friends. And all of them were like, yo, yeah, hey. So when I think about that 50-year window yeah. that all had a good time together, it made me feel very proud and grateful. That's beautiful. Yeah, no, I love this. First of all, proud and grateful in comedy is a hard thing to achieve. <laughs> Let's be honest there. But uh, to take that True. risk. and And... and it, 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 you know, this isn't a, a you're not um, going across no man's land, a World War One type of risk, but it's a risk as an artist and performer and yourself. Stand up is so much of us on stage. Anything in life that you put yourself out for is you exposed. And I'm, I'm sure the first night out running this through, whether you had your all your lines down and your PowerPoints in place, I'm sure there was a little Dude. bit of that doubt and fear in your back of your mind. Oh, a million percent. Actually, the first time I did the show was at a place called the Glendale Room here in the Los Angeles oh, area, yeah. Glendale. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Sh- Sh- uh, Sean and Anne, they have a wonderful little space. So uh, it's an old, I think it used to be a clothing store or uh, oh, okay. some kind of like, it's a, it's a storefront space hmm. on a walking street. And when it's full, it can hold 40 people. Right. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try it here once. It's kind of a proof of concept thing. I'm going to shoot it and just see what works and what doesn't work. And so I sold it out, uh, you know, in a, a couple weeks beforehand. So I was like, okay, at least I, at least I don't have to worry about the numbers. I can focus more on the show. So I focused on the show. And then the night of the show, like half of the people that bought tickets didn't show up. Of course. Yeah. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> because there's like a brief rain, like 11 hours before. <laughs> yes, like we better, we better play it safe. So <laughs> I had this tape that I was, I was kind of counting on to be, um, the blueprint. And I was like, okay, this works. This doesn't work. It's good. You know? So, mm-hmm. uh, but it was, I, I, the first time I did it, I, I, I packed it with friendly, friendly, friendly right, people, right. Just you know, which, yeah. yeah. But even like within the show, there's some things that I took from that first night and I continue to do them every show. And even though it's the same uh, bit, mm. it's new for me in the sense of like, like one of the one of the bits is like this uh, morning radio guy, like the KTC in the zone, eighty nine nine. So I'm at my keyboard and I got my sunglasses on, and the bit is called KTC and community calendar guys. But <laughs> what I do is Ooh. in any market I go into, I take their call letters in their morning show and yeah. say like, you know, Heidi Frosty and Frank aren't in this morning. It's Maddie in the mornings, guys. But the community calendar is the bit. Yeah, yeah. And it's events that are happening in town this weekend, guys. But the event suggestions are things that people wrote down on slips of paper as they oh, entered God. the showroom. That's brilliant. So they walk in and, and it, the only um, prompt is it's a made just it's a made up event, you know. So oh. for example, Cloud Appreciation Day, the paperclip convention. So things that like so they, I have someone from the theater bring up the bowl. That's yeah. when people have that moment of like, oh, that's what that was for. I draw oh, the thing cool. out. I get, I get to read. I honor their suggestion. And then I riff on it for 30 seconds a minute. I do three, four, five announcements. It's five that's to seven minute bit. And it's fun for me too because I don't know. I have no idea what they're going to suggest. Mm-hmm. But then you also have like those things you can fall back on with the sound effects of the spring noise and the farts and the, you know, the morning zoo crew. So uh, (laughs) I haven't had this much fun performing comedy in a long, long time. A joyous pursuit indeed. That's, and as someone who has read many a community calendar in my radio days, this is, that's a (laughs) ripe uh, uh, field to to pick there. Uh, That's genius. That's, that's absolutely genius. You got to, yeah, to have fun and, 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 and do what you want to do in that stage. No matter how you do it, if it was a straight ahead set and you did forty minutes, uh, I still think it would be brilliant. But but it's I, I can I can hear the joy, Louis looking above or probably looking up, probably probably uh, would be like I told you, I told you, <laughs> <laughs> I, I told you, yeah. He was one of my favorite comedians growing up because yeah. uh, he even uh, it's a story I share in the book. Even before I watched Louis, I didn't know what a callback was. Yeah. I didn't understand exactly that comedy concept until I saw him do it in a special when I was like 10 or 11, 12 years old. It was like, 
Wait, you can you can bring back something you mentioned before and get a bigger laugh? Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. He was the master, the master. He was uh, my I, I I one time was hosting a show, the old Franco shows at the Improv. And Franco. Franco. And I was hosting a show, as, but I was out there at the bar. I think it was between shows. And Louie was going to drop in and do the late show. And uh, he's, I'm sitting there with Franco. The, for those listening, is Mark Franco's a, the producer of the show, comic himself from Boston. But we don't work at the improv. We're just doing a show out there. And like comes in and we're like, Mark's like, hey, Louie, we'll, we'll bring you up here. You can do as much as you want. And he just turns to him and goes, that's great. I want some chicken tenders. And it was just, the, <laughs> but it was the nicest request. He just wanted chicken tenders. So that's my, right. that's my right. interaction with Louie. <laughs> it was a great moment. Um, well, you know, if you can find something wrong with chicken tenders, <laughs> I dare you. I dare you to find it. Uh, at the time we have remaining, we're talking to Matt Knudsen. You all, I've, now I feel like a morning radio guy. We're talking to Matt Knudsen here. He's hey, at the Chuckle Hut tonight. Get out there. Uh, the, uh, Brought to you by Yellowstone Law. <laughs> have you or someone you know been the victim of a defective hernia mesh? <laughs> Got the number to call. Um, <laughs> you've, you've got this book coming out, and have you have you put a book out before? Have you have you focused on something like that in the past? No, this is my first time. I've literally lived in Los Angeles for half my life, and I was like, "Well, yeah, let's let her rip." You let's know, do it. it's why not? Also, there's all these stories that like maybe you, you tell in like 30 seconds over a beer after a show mm -hmm. or at, at a dinner or something like that. But they had never um, – I'd never flushed them out in this way. So like yeah. every story is now like four, five, six pages where you can – you know, one bathroom visit yeah. per story. Yeah, you know, you, there's also not this um, linear through line where you're just like, all right, it was 1998 and then yeah. in 2001 – I think, at least for me, um, a, a lot of books that are out there, especially like comedy books or about comedians or written by a comedian, they appeal to fans of that comedian. Yeah. But if you don't have, you know, if you're not the Jim Gaffigan or the, you know, the Brian Regan, maybe there are people, if they don't know you, you they're probably not going to just find it and be like, yeah, this guy I've never heard of. I'd love to hear what he thinks. Yeah. But the the gist of this one is like, my pitch is it's 20 feet from stardom, but yeah. for, from a character actor's point of view. So I'm not the biggest star in the book. I'm literally the smallest star in the <laughs> book, you know, yeah. Jan from Toyota, which who she's a yep. chapter, Laurel Coppock. She's Cop amazing. Great Even she's a way bigger star than me. Yeah. That's amazing. No, it's a great approach. And, and I, I, like I said, I really, truly can't wait, wait to, to read it. Don't spoil on any anything. I want to I find out what happened in some Thank of the stories. Thank you, here. yeah. Uh, and then the pitch that I had been telling people is like, instead of a backstabby tell-all, I throw people over the bus. <laughs> Not under, over. Nicely. No, over. I help hey, them off. You know what? Help them on, this person's them wonderful. Yeah. If you like them already, I hope you love them even more after you hear like, Hey, you know, um, Adam Devine, um, friend of yours and mine uh, yeah. from the old Old's scene, yeah. hasn't changed a bit. Class yeah. act, helps others that's, as good as it gets. That's good to hear. And, and we need those stories in these uh, in these troubled times, but they are in these troubled, troubled times. Where, where kindness yeah. doesn't sail, you know? I agree. And I really do think that there's going to be a pendulum swing towards positivity and optimism. It's just been... Yeah swinging to the other way for like six years and people have mm -hmm. had enough. And yeah. what I share with people when I'm on stage is 
I've had the good fortune of being going to every state. Hmm. And in every state, everyone is friendly and warm and kind and decent. And they look out for their friends, neighbors, and family. Mm-hmm. Every state. Yeah. So if you're under some impression there's some like bad states or bad people, it's just like, yeah, there are dicks everywhere, but that's I, life. Yeah. I, I really agree with that. And, and I agree with that in the sense of, you know, with with just the state of the world. And by the way, I always say this. The world's probably always been pretty bad. We could just tweet about it now. And so it, it, it's totally it's, it's about finding uh, the joyous pursuits. I'm going to go back to that. It's probably going to be the title of the video because I just really love dude, that idea. Please do. But but I I. I as I've gotten more politically involved, active and aware over the last years and gone through a big sea change in my outlook on the world, just being a kid raised in a conservative small town and, and, and come to LA and just kind of slowly but steadily kind of finding a different way to look at the world, I still go to the fact that um, I don't like it when – if there's something going on in Texas, if some law is passed in Texas and there's this fuck Texas mentality, that to me ain't right. That to me is not the way to approach it. That's to me really disregarding a lot of people who love that state, who are good in that state, who don't love the law or want to find different ways to approach it. And, and is, is the it's the unraveling of kindness to me and, yeah. and it's antithetical to some of the things you might be trying to accomplish on a certain uh, political uh, journey. So I, I'm with you on, on – uh, and totally. comics see that. Comics do see that. It sometimes tweaks their brains. It's a different conversation I could have of – Right. They feel like, no, nah, I can say these horrible things because people are laughing. And I think it's a different conversation. But what you're saying is you get to see people at their best, which is experiencing joy and laughter. Yeah, that's true. And then also, too, um, people just want to be funny and cut loose. And, they, you know, when you think about how much of politics is people's everyday life, it's, it's not much. Yeah. They think about, like, going to work and uh, being home in time for their kid's soccer game and then maybe going out for pizza afterwards. They're not... They're not out there, you know, reading the, 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 the headlines every day. They're just, they're just not. Yeah. And what I would love to hear people talk about is empathy and respect yes. more than anything else. Hey, yes. you know what? I, um, I don't agree with you, but I, 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 I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. So if you repeat your point after saying, I, I don't agree or that you, you're telling me information as if I don't understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. get that a lot. Well, you don't you, you get, and you're like, well, no, no, I understand. I just, this is the way I feel. Yeah. So I, I don't think um, having some sympathy for someone who's not in your exact situation is, is yeah. woke. It's just like, Hey brother, I I'm, I'm on this ride with you, sister. I'm on this ride with you. Everyone's experiencing things that no one knows anything about. Yeah. Be cool. Just be cool. Empathy is the is the great is the great uh, uh, tool that uh, I think can 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 truly change a lot of things, and that that was one of the things in my life. I was never um, never an a hole. wasn't a jerk. I didn't treat people bad. I was I, I you know, very I was, kind, very kind. But like, uh, it's so easy to um, put that. Uh, and something my, my pal and podcast partner Joseph Scrimshaw said is is it's easy for people to look around and have empathy for those in their circle. It's harder to p- apply it to a bigger cause group or person and i just think if you can connect with that and and uh, and a lot of it has to do with so I, I get angry i've been angry the last few years and and it's okay to be angry but h- how do you focus that like uh i i uh, this is a big gear shift change but like uh, and, and and talking to people locked in and, and locked in on conspiracy theories like 
me yelling at them or hitting them up upside the head with a hammer as opposed to try to approach them with reason, <laughs> calmness, and kindness and empathy. Sure, There's two different sure. ways of approaching it. And and I right. really like what you're saying about that there. Yeah, I, I'm still kind of working on this bit, but it was uh, this happened recently. I was at the uh, the pharmacy and this woman was there with like her two-year-old toddler and her toddler like kind of like wandered off. And when she came back, she had like an armful of stuffed toys. And she was eh, looking up at her mom and her mom was like, we're not going to get you all those toys. And I was just like, what would the world be like if we just treated everyone like a toddler? <laughs> like, you're not going to do your own research. You're not. Come no. on. You know, and it, whatever the, the point of view is, if you said it with just like, no, no. come on, no. come on. It just really, it really, really made me laugh because yeah. no one's mean to kids. Yeah. 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 They, yeah. they take care of them. They, you know, yeah. Have a we all box. reach their level. Yeah. Be like, be childlike. Uh, yeah, but one thing, and I, this, I, I, I do want to, as we start to close here, um, I do, I mentioned it up top, and, and people are going to think uh, it was a weird, obtuse reference. But I think, I can't remember, again, you and I have been in circles, and you, you fly in and out of the, everyone's lives over years. If you, years. If you're in years. Town, town long enough, it comes back in, and it's seasons of, of uh, 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 friendships and interactions. But I think I was... I don't know. I definitely know I maybe wasn't following you on point because you just don't, ah, yeah. And I suddenly saw your tweet popped up in my screen and you were responding to, to, uh, uh, you know, probably some alt-right a-hole, but you just wrote diarrhea. And I remember right. I liked it. And then that, that is this response and you're, you're this hyper-intelligent, thoughtful, <laughs> empathetic human being. But that, I saw that. I was like, that's the only response to any of these situations. Right. And it's been an, you could almost write a book on every one of your tweets that was diarrhea versus whatever <laughs> Trump was saying. Thanks. Yeah. Well, you know, even that, I, I, that's kind of you to say, I've even backed off engaging the trolls in yeah, that in, yeah. in that way I, you know especially now i don't Twitter. even respond yeah I, I, I heard it said don't feed the bears yeah it's hard when some of the bears come knocking on your door and want to yank you out in the streets mm. uh and, and 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 take away your rights or at least the rights of others but but yes sure i, I sure. totally get it and and now that it's it's x whatever it is it's it, the bears are only more ravenous but i, I just uh, yeah i just remember dying laughing because i saw it once and i was like well, that's funny and then i saw that no you this you had done it for a while and this was it's great a, <laughs> to use the word recurring is <laughs> accurate joke. it's a spot on yeah. Yeah. Uh, it has been a lot of fun talking with uh, talking with you, Matt, and and I uh, I want the people uh, out there listening to uh, check this book out and check out the comedy, Matt. He's you got, he's got a YouTube channel. I want you to subscribe to, and you get you can see you can see the bit that maybe he looks back at and thinks he doesn't like. I don't know. You can tell you can <laughs> comment that he's not not right. So uh, again, uh, the book is uh, Have I Seen You in Anything? Great question for an actor. Uh, True Hollywood Stories from a Guy That Seems Familiar. Available on Amazon. Just search Matt Knutson and you'll find it. Uh, I want to shout out our buddy Mark Ellis says hello and 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 Mark and, Ellis and, and what, what? remembers the time that you played Thomas Jefferson and he played Alexander Hamilton in some short film. He's very <laughs> proud of it. Mark's not proud of a lot of things, but he's like, tell Matt I remember that. And somewhere a picture <laughs> that's, exists. That's great. Um, any final words, Matt, about the book? Uh, where you're doing comedy, or uh, just uh, you know uh, how not to uh, tweet to the word diarrhea constantly? I don't know. Uh, yeah, those are all great questions. I would just say anyone wants to find me. Uh, Hit me up on the tree, link tree slash Matt Knutson that has uh, links to all of my show dates, 
my comedy albums, my dry bar special, the book, uh, YouTube, like there's like 10 links. So I was just like, I've got to have this like easily accessible thing. Yeah. So I put it all there, linktree.com slash Matt Knudsen. And I really try and stay engaged on, on social yeah. if people are nice. Yes. Because I think if there's nice comments, they need to be reciprocated. Yeah. And if you're a troll, I, I just ignore you. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love with, with, uh, things like Linktree and now streaming, uh, with television and films, we've just recreated cable and websites in other ways. We've gone back to where we were. I need one spot to tell me like a website. Well, a Linktree, it's a Linktree. Right, right. Yeah, so you know what we should do in the streaming thing? Instead of making 20 shows, 20 episodes at once, we should just make one and see if people like it. Yeah. Oh, you mean a pilot? A pilot. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've discovered that without commercials, we can't make money. Ah, you mean like the thing you got rid of in cable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. Uh, totally. But I would just say uh, be cool and have fun and uh, say yes as often as possible. I mm. I truly believe yes is the gateway to adventure. The gateway to adventure is yes. There you heard it right there. The truth from Matt Knudsen, who's on his own joyous pursuits in life. Uh, thanks for hanging out, all of you out there. Don't forget to uh, like, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on the podcast side, thank you very much. Check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash kindapsuck. It's all down below. I, I'll probably put a link. There is a There's like two link trees in there, and I'll put Matt's in there as well. Uh, also, uh, 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 on October 10th, depending on where you're listening to this, my first comedy album, uh, EP recorded live in London one night to make it work we had, we had one night and I'll tell you it ain't perfect and I had to get over that because it was one night of fun in London and it's out there uh, look forward a special edition available on Bandcamp as well we'll see y'all next time here on the Blathering Conversations Blathering Conversations